Hey you, welcome to Her Defined, the podcast dedicated to the woman who's still trying to figure it all out when it comes to her career. I'm your host, Juliana, who has just as ambitious career goals as you do. So let's achieve ours together. Join me each week for a conversation with a compelling businesswoman or entrepreneur. Keep listening as I'm sure her advice and insight will assist you in defining your own means of success. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Her to Find. I love today's episode. Our guest is extremely honest, raw, and vulnerable about her business and career. She doesn't have it all figured out, and that's okay. Erica is extremely relatable and inspiring as she shares her tips to remain determined at achieving her goals. Erica Berthelow grew up in a remote northern community in Winnipeg. She did a brief two-year stint in university for business and is a veteran nail tech of nearly 10 years. At the beginning of the pandemic, she began experimenting with different cuticle oil formulations, a product she wished her clients would use more often. After a few prototypes of varying formulas and bottles, she landed on the winning cutie oil and began to market it to her clients and coworkers. The company grew rapidly and has already reached milestones she had never really envisioned, such as hiring a marketing and brand partner, in addition to being featured in several publications like The Kit and Canadian Living. Erica continues to embrace each new challenge as she reaches new and exciting milestones. In this episode, Erica discusses being scrappy and savvy, how to learn as you go, and knowing when and how to ask for help. I'm so glad that you could join me today, Erica. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, how are you? We are definitely having a typical like Zoom call because you're in Winnipeg and I'm in Ontario. Are you in lockdown? What is your situation out there with COVID? Yeah, we're in lockdown for the third time um, and we're doing terribly right now. Um, And by the time this airs, we'll probably still be doing terribly. We are the worst of everybody in North America. So that's been a fun little headline. (laughs) There's a lake really um, close to Winnipeg, but it's in Ontario and we can't go. Nobody can go to their cabins because it's in Ontario. We can't, we're not allowed to cross the borders. We are praying that you guys open too, because we want to go to our cabins and go to the lake and it's supposed to be 36 degrees next weekend. And oh, Wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. I need some of that good weather. But that is what you were just talking about as a perfect segue into my first question. So you're not like the typical beauty industry professional, right? Like in, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your upbringing in the great outdoors and how you got started within the beauty industry. So I actually grew up in a town. Um, it's like eight hours north of Winnipeg. It's called Flin Flon, Manitoba. So like deep in the bush, it's like super secluded. And so I spent my whole childhood outside um, in like summer and winter. It didn't really matter. Like, we weren't off the grid by any means, but like we're just so far away from a big, like the, the clear, the closest big city is Winnipeg, which is eight hours away. So it was a very like, just like wholesome childhood. I spent so much time outside. So growing up, I didn't really have like much exposure to like city things and stuff like that. Like we would come to the city every now and again, probably like three, four times a year, we would come to the city just to like stock up on Honestly, we would do like a Costco run and stock up on groceries and stuff and like buy our school supplies and our school clothes and whatever. But I had a great childhood, but very far away and very different from what it was like um, growing up in the city. And then I didn't move away from Slim Flon until I honestly moved away like three days after graduation. (laughs) Then I kind of bumped around from city to city. So I, I moved to Brandon. I did two years of university there. 
for business. That wasn't really my jam. So then I moved to Winnipeg and then that's when I took aesthetic school. And that was a nine month program. Amazing. Elaborate on your career within the beauty industry and how it brought you to create Cutie Oils Co. So I'm a nail tech by trade um, and I've been doing it for about, well, uh, sorry, actually I'm an esthetician by trade. In Manitoba, you have to take both aesthetic, which is like skincare and um, massage, um, pretty much like everything and nails. So you can either take nails or full aesthetic. So I have everything. And about four years into my career, I started really focusing on nails because it was just kind of like what was really growing for me. And it was what I was doing really successfully. And so I just kind of really honed in on that skill. And then cuticles was something that was kind of like on my mind or on the back of my mind because I'd always like wanted to do something more, not more, but something else or in addition to um, just doing nails. So I just wanted something to like supplement my income a little bit. Cuticle oil is always an afterthought. It's never really a product that somebody like goes into the market with. They'll create their lineup of like nail products, but then they, at the end, they'll like add cuticle oil or, or like other hand care products. It's like, cause it's like a natural extension of the brand. You can see like a lack of passion behind the brand or behind those products and lack of effort, to be honest. With all that being said, I just, I had always thought that was maybe a good opportunity to expand on something. Cuticle oil is a really great product to use um, if you get shellac nails or gel nails or even just in general. Um, so it'll make your manicures last a lot longer. It'll fix any like hang nails. Um, it'll fix any sort of like brittle or peeling nails. Uh, if your nails are just like prone to like cracking, things like that, it'll help with all of those things. So selfishly, I wanted my clients to use cuticle oil because it would make my job a lot easier if they did. It would solve a lot of like my problems. But also, I just I just think it's a really great product for people to be using. And I couldn't get any of my clients to use it or buy it because they just weren't excited about it. So yeah, I just kind of identified that as an opportunity to to make something new there. Can you also talk about how Cutie Oils uses natural ingredients and the process of how you came to find the right formula? Yeah. So going back to my background um, in aesthetics, so the skincare portion of that program is quite lengthy. I think it was like 16 or 18 weeks or something of just like strictly skincare. So I had that kind of in my back pocket when I wanted to, when I started like formulating what Cutie Oils is going to be made out of. So I had some oils in mind that I really like for a few different reasons. And I knew that there was ways to make an oil that would be like stable enough that, you know, the shelf life wouldn't be like two months or whatever without having to use preservatives. So for example, like coconut oil, it's, it's very, very stable. So it's, it's often used as a preservative. Um, so I knew I wanted to get some coconut oil in there just to make sure that the shelf life was, was a little bit longer. And then there were some other things like I chose like jojoba oil for how silky it is and macadamia nut oil because of its anti-aging properties, things like that. So I kind of like played around honestly just like in my living room and mixed these oils until I found a formula that like felt good it absorbed quickly but not too quickly like it was like not too dry but not too greasy it didn't really stain your clothes like obviously any oil is going to stain your clothes but it's not like so much that like if you get a single drop on there your clothes is done you know things like that so I just kind of like played around in my living room until I landed on a formula that I was like okay this is a good product I would use this regularly like I am going to use this on my clients and then I've been getting great great feedback from it since. Can you elaborate on why you think an oil might be better than a hand cream or a lotion? It's not necessarily like which one is better. It's it's more what what are you going to use? So we'll go back a little bit. Um, so serums have a really high like a high concentration of nutrients, and the molecule is very very small. So it's going to penetrate to the deeper layers of your skin. So it's really going to provide a lot of nutrition to your skin. 
which is fantastic. But then your next step is uh, a lotion. So then lotions have a good mix between like a, a dense concentration of nutrients, but also a lot of like hydrating and humectant properties. A humectant is something that creates like a barrier. So things can't escape. So you kind of want in the lotions, a, a good mix of both. You want it to be like hydrating and nourishing, but also you want it to create that barrier. So that way you do put into your skin doesn't just immediately escape. And then you have oils. Oils are heavy on the humectant side of things, but still provide a lot of um, nourishing qualities. So they're going to do a really good job of, of preventing any of that loss of moisture, which is called um, transepidermal water loss. It's not necessarily like which one is better than the other. It's, it's just like what you're going to use. Cuticle oil also has a really good, it does a really good job of some, of, especially the, the formula that we made, it does a really good job of penetrating through some of the thicker layers of your skin, which if you think of your cuticles, they're usually a little bit thicker. What were some of the steps that you had to take to transform your idea of cutie oils into a physical product? Okay, so um, there's a lot of stuff there. The first thing was like formulating the oil, which was honestly like, I don't want to say the easiest part, but it's the thing that like kind of came the most naturally to me. It's the thing that I had the most experience in right off the hop. So I formulated the oil and then I was trying to land on like a bottle that I wanted to house it in, which was a nightmare. (laughs) There's three different prototypes. So the first prototype I chose was fine. Um, I put it in the bottle and then a month later, all of the bottles started cracking and I had no idea why. And I thought, okay, maybe this is just like not a very good quality bottle. So I ordered something different that felt like a little bit thicker and heavier. It was a little more weighty. And I thought, okay, this is going to solve the problem. Like it's going to be fine. And a month later, all of the bottles cracked. And like every step of the way, like during each of these like issues or whatever, I would get so discouraged and I would like just drop it for a while because I was like, I just can't. I don't know. I can't handle people being like, oh, it's great, but it's like leaking everywhere because it's all broken and it's cracked or whatever. So then finally, I like did a deep dive on some random thread on like an um, some sort of architecture blog or I don't even know what it was. But this this person, some kind of professional, I don't know what exactly they, they were. It This blog was like, um, archived in 2009, I think. So I don't even know how I found it or how it's still alive to this day, but it is. And really deep in this thread, this person was talking about how different kinds of oils break down different kinds of plastic. And so, and he actually commented what the kind of plastic was that you needed to house oil in. And then that's, I finally like dawned on me. I was like, that's why I was having so many issues before. So then I found my third bottle, which I'm honestly the happiest with the design, with like the design wise. But I felt I landed on my third bottle, which I am happy to report has zero cracking problems. There's no leakage. There's nothing of the sort. It's a quality bottle, no mm-hmm. problems. And so that was the probably like my biggest hurdle of getting this product like up and running and into the hands of people and, and not getting returned because it's just constantly cracking. I feel like that would be very frustrating, especially doing it not once, not twice, but like a third time. You can get yeah. very discouraged. Can you elaborate on? those feelings. And even though you took a step back, how did you bring yourself back to continue searching for another product that would work? Yeah, it's actually, it's funny you mentioned that I was just listening to a podcast, but he was saying how he finds that um, like founders of new companies or products or whatever it is, what makes a really great founder is typically people who have been in sales of any sort because they're used to being rejected. And so the best entrepreneurs are people who have had some sort of job where they've been rejected over and over and over again, because they like develop a bit of an immunity to that kind of rejection. And you know, that like negative feedback or having to start over again, over and over and over again. 
I've always done well in sales. Like I've had a few different like random sales job in my life. That and serving. I find serving is another one that like gives you a really thick skin, (laughs) you know? And so I think that like having that kind of background has really helped me out in that situation. Because like, yes, I took a step back and I got discouraged and was like down on myself and whatever. But inevitably, I just had to like scratch that itch. Like I wasn't done with it yet. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ready to put it to bed. So I eventually just came back and thank goodness I did because now here we are. (laughs) You've been featured in several magazines and websites such as the Globe and Mail and the Kit. What is the brand exposure strategy that you followed and how did you go about being featured by these companies? So we don't necessarily have like a strategy hash out right now um, because we're still early on. We are doing a lot of like everything is like trial and error right now. Like we don't know, you know, you can do as much market research as you want, but you don't know what's going to work until you go, go out and do it. So we've been trying a few things. We've got a lot of like influencer marketing, which um, has proven to do well for us. We also send product out to different like publications and blogs and things like that, like to the editors and whatever. And that's actually done really well for us. So yeah, we were featured in like the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star. We, those ones were really successful for us. Some other ones that were like, there were some that were a little less successful that were just print. But those ones are just, we don't even know necessarily if they were less successful or just harder to measure because you have no... Well, I can't track where this person ordered from, you know? So we're just in a phase right now where we're we're trying things just to see see what works and what doesn't. We recently tried something that was it cost us fifteen hundred dollars to be in and we got like not a single order out of it. So that one's oh done a God. little bit. <laughs> That's so yeah, frustrating. That, yeah. And like, and you, again, you just kind of have to tell yourself that this is where that like rejection comes in again. Like, okay, like it's not, it's not a waste of $1,500. It was, you know, we learned that that, you know, avenue didn't really work out for us and it, it doesn't really, you know, provide much, much value for us. So we know not to do it again, but yeah, it was a little, a little stingy that one. At least, you know, that that doesn't work. And you won't make the same financial investment again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to call it a mistake because it wasn't a mm-hmm. mistake, but yes, we, we will not choose to go that route again. And like, you know, we're, we're small, we have to be scrappy. So like when I say like we spent $1,500, what I'm really saying is I spent $1,500, right. like, a, you know, yeah, I'm forgoing a few things <laughs> in order to fund that. Right. And it's definitely, it might even be more so about finding what doesn't work versus always on the mission to find what works. Because once you know what doesn't work, then the the hidden gems of what actually does work for your company come out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are your tips, and no pun intended with that little remark, for those struggling to maintain their manicures during lockdown? Ooh, so lockdown manicures are kind of tough um honestly the best thing you can do I know it it has been so long it's been a year and a half of this and like so many of my clients are like I don't even I'll call you when this pandemic's over like (laughs) I don't want to deal with this anymore and I don't even blame people but your best bet is just going to be to try and keep them as healthy as you can using cuticle oil and moisturizing your hands as much as you can especially because they're getting such a they're, they're taking such a hit from all the hand washing and the sanitizing that we're doing so moisturizing as much as you can is going to help with like the hangnails, the peeling, um, the biting, all of that trauma that you're causing to your hands, you really need to like repair. And then the other thing is honestly, I know it sucks, but if you keep them short, you're going to have your a best, your best bet. Because if you like, if you're used to having gel nails on and they're 
usually really long and now you don't have those gels anymore you might be tempted to like keep as much length as you can but what that means is when they break they're going to break like halfway up your nail bed and it's going to be so painful and it's going to be bloody and it's going to suck and so if you keep them short when they break or if they're going to break it's not going to be halfway up your nail bed it's going to be like very manageable I know like long nails are beautiful and I I always have long nails so it's, it's tough to have like to go from long all the time to short but have keeping them short and keeping them like well hydrated is going to be kind of your best defense this this summer. I feel you. I always get the dip powder and right now they're really stubby and short. They are so grown out. I've just been keeping the rest of that dip on until I can go and see my nail tech, but it's a struggle. Yeah. Well, you know what? Props to you for not like peeling or biting that off or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't judge. I'm a picker too. I get it. It's super satisfying. But if you cannot pick whatever enhancement you have on your nails, that will also help tremendously because the amount of damage you do when you peel mm-hmm. that stuff off is insane. Can you describe a typical work day? Oh, so like, oh, okay. Well, when I'm in lockdown, it's a little bit different. Um, and I don't have like, I don't have like an ideal glamorous work day. Like I, I I am not those like day in the life of whatever on TikTok. I am not those girls. I do not wake up and like write in my, you know, five minute journal and like go for a like nice breezy walk and then go pick up a Starbucks and then get 20,000 things accomplished. (laughs) Right. It never looks like that. So when we're in lockdown, I pretty much just like, it's not great, but like I get up, I pretty much start um, answering emails like at 8, 8.30 a.m. when I when I wake up. Like I, the first thing I do is right. look at my phone, which is terrible, I know. But yes. <laughs> And like right now, we're we're at the very beginning of this company. So we are right there in the weeds. Like this this mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it's, it's consuming everything. So like I get up, I immediately start responding to emails. I, I have to walk my dog because we live in a condo. So I, I do at least go for that like little walk. I don't know how like relaxing or <laughs> rejuvenating it is, but it's... It's necessary. So I like walk my dog mm-hmm. every morning. And then it's just like, it's pretty much like, it's a lot of like emails back and forth all day. Um, lately, I've been having to drive out to, we have like a, a manufacturer, like they bottle, label and cap all the products for us. And then I have a fulfillment center. And what they do is they um, package and like fulfill orders as they come in. And unfortunately, they are both on opposite ends of the city of me. So it's like a big triangle. And lately I've been having to go by both of those places like twice a week. So it's like two hours of driving out of my day just to like getting to each of those places. So I'm working on having like a better, <laughs> A, a routine and B, being a little more efficient. But like lately I'm just like, I'm, I just feel like I'm always chasing my tail. Like I'm always just trying to like catch right. up and like, oh crap, like this person ran out of this and I'm, I'm always like scrambling. But I keep telling myself that like, we're in the first year, I don't have any precedent mm-hmm. set yet. I don't have any sort of norm established. So like, it's right. okay. And I'm working on it. And mm-hmm. I'll get there. And one day I'll I'll have a really aesthetic um, TikTok to post. <laughs> right now, it's just not, this is not the case. How do you define yourself in relation to your career? So that's another thing that's like, not super glamorous, I guess, or like not ideal. I am very much defined by my work. Like both of my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, My mom owned like a little boutique in the town that we grew up in. And my dad owns a construction company. And I think I grew up watching them be very rewarded by their work and work hard. They both come from like pretty humble beginnings. So I watched them like work hard, achieve a lot and be very fulfilled and like rewarded by their, by their work. 
And so I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, as much as I'd like to say I I am, like, I don't define myself by my, by my work, but right now in this moment, I kind of do like, it's very exciting for me. It's giving me, especially right now, like we're in a pandemic, like what, what, what is there to work for right now? (laughs) You know, I feel like every, your most people's lives are just like on hold until this is over. And it's giving me a lot of like purpose and like fulfillment in my days to accomplish what I can with this company. And so right now, those things are are very much like intertwined, which is fine. You know, for right now, it's in five, 10 years, maybe then I'll have more hobbies and a lot less work <laughs> or whatever that looks like. But right now I'm I'm happy with where, where I'm at and it, it is what it is. Elaborate on how you achieved your beautiful product photos and also how you've set up your website. The beginning was all me. You have to be scrappy and you kind of have to hack away at everything yourself until you can afford to hire things out that you can't do or you can't do well. So our first website I did myself and it was just like it was a website or platform called Square. You kind of like plugged in your information and uploaded it for you. And it it served its purpose and it it was fine. Product photography was the same thing literally waited until like golden hour and then I dragged my <laughs> kitchen table into the living room by the window told my boyfriend I was like you gotta leave like you can't I'm trying to film an ASMR video like and I was like buying like tripods off of Amazon and like I bought these like little lights that like honestly didn't even work out in the end I, <laughs> like natural lighting is your best friend but yeah everything like like any other startup everything is like super scrappy you just have to hack away at things yourself until until you can kind of grow and 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 hire people. And so now we've taken on somebody who um, she actually does. She does a lot for us. She revamped our website, which is it's fantastic now. She does our content. She, she honestly does a lot for us. She's amazing. So we have somebody that is doing that for us. And then um, for product photography, we've actually, I've actually had two different photographers reach out and, and say, you know, I love your product. I would love to photograph it for you. Um, and just to have a, like in their portfolio, which was fantastic. And so all of our product photography thus far has either been like the day one photos that I took or the photos that these photographers have taken for us. That's such a good idea. I've never really thought about that for to like save money, but also give someone else a chance to really explore their own creative freedom. It's hard to reach out to people and ask that because you don't want to offend somebody. Like, right. you know, you know that their work is, is valuable and it's definitely worth what whatever it is they're charging, but it's just not in your budget. So we were lucky in that they they both offered to to take these photos. But I have approached other people for, for different things and been like, listen, if if this is at all, if you've got the time, the interest, exactly what it is. Like I'm we're a small startup. We just don't have the budget for this, but we would love to work for you and and we'll happily like pay it forward in the future when we do have a budget, you know? So so the photographer we're working with right now is kind of the same thing. She she did a big photo shoot for us and I was like, okay, come Christmas, we have to do another one and you know, we'll be able to to pay you at that point. What's the most valuable lesson you've learned since starting Cutie Oils Co? It's not so much like a lesson right now. It's like a lot of little lessons. I feel like we just like haven't been in it long enough to have like a, a big picture lesson, you know? Well, like for example, like that $1,500 that we spent on that um, advertising, like that was an example of like a small lesson. Um, it just, you know, we tried it. It didn't work out. You move forward. I feel bad right now for all of our UPS drivers. They're, they're delivering like massive amounts of boxes up to our like second story walk up. And they are so angry about it every time they deliver. Now I'm like, okay, I, I feel bad for these guys. <laughs> lesson learned. I won't get you know, orders of 5,000 units <laughs> shipped to my condo anymore. I will have them shipped directly to the fulfillment center or the manufacturer or whatever. So 
it's more like a lot of like little lessons right now I'm sure in a year I'll be able to look back and be like wow okay like when I like accumulate everything this is like the big picture lesson that I that I learned from that but right now it's like every day is like some small lesson I'm like oh okay for example I like talked to um contract manufacturer recently this is the person that like bottles caps and labels and all I dropped some stuff off and he pulled me aside and he's like Erica it's really great that like your company's doing so well and that you're like hitting all these milestones really quickly but here's all the things that you're doing wrong that like aren't really up to code <laughs> and I was like, good to know okay awesome <laughs> yeah. like what do you mean not up to code and like it turned out they were like very small things like I didn't realize that we had to have um like our business address on the actual product itself. So like, it's, it's a small, it's a small detail, but like, oh yeah, oops, oopsies. Also, how did you go about finding your product manufacturer and what is the process of all of that? Actually, I'll say one big lesson that I, I thankfully didn't have to learn the hard way um, is to try and keep things around your, wherever you are. So <laughs> when I reached out to the fulfillment center, which is again, the person that like, um, they fulfill orders as they come in and ship them out. He mentioned that, you know, it's it's a really good idea to have it essentially in your backyard or wherever you live in case there's like things that you that go wrong that you need to check up on or whatever. And I was like, whatever, I won't I won't make any errors on that. <laughs> Mark, like you drop the product off and they ship it out. Like what could go wrong? Oh my God, so many things go wrong. Like little things like the half of the bags that we're shipping out are cracking or when I was still making making everything myself I accidentally put the wrong scent into the wrong bottle and so like all of these products are going out with the wrong scent and like just like all of these like little things that I was Mm -hmm. like oh my god I had no idea so many things could go wrong I found this um the fulfillment center first and I quickly realized I was like okay it's actually a really good thing that this person is in like here in Winnipeg so that really narrowed my search for contract manufacturers like I could have gone with companies elsewhere like in Vancouver or Toronto or whatever they're bigger they can probably handle like bigger orders um it might even honestly be cheaper not necessarily in the long run after like you like factor in the cost of shipping everything but I was like no this needs to stay in Winnipeg like I, I until I have a better handle on absolutely everything and think everything is running smoothly and I've learned all my hard lessons like things need to stay in Winnipeg and so right. that really narrowed down my search and then actually the the person that owns the fulfillment center suggested the contract manufacturer for me and they've been great they're it's a small like uh, family-run business he's very sweet like they're so kind to me and like like little things like them pulling me aside and telling me all the things I'm doing wrong. Like, you know, you might not get that kind of service if you go for like a bigger company, especially right. if they're not, you know, in your city or whatever. So they've been, they've been incredibly valuable to us. Who within the beauty industry is noteworthy or someone that you admire? Hey, so Nail Thought, um, her, her Instagram is Nail Thought, Nail Thought. Um, her name is Katie Masters, I think. She's fantastic. She's always been a bit of an inspiration follow I found her when she was like at like less than 10,000 followers and now she's at I don't even know what she's at anymore but she's made such big strides in her career mm-hmm. she um started out as a nail tech she did a really good job of just growing like a, a like a cult like following like people absolutely adore her and she's always been very like real and open and honest on her Instagram about everything like about mm-hmm. um you know her life um but I, that being said I think she does a good job of like kind of setting boundaries so I think when the pandemic hit, she started doing a little bit of press-ons and she like dabbled into it a little bit. But then she she landed a contract with um, a pretty big nail brand called Cocoa's. And now she has like a lineup of, of nail polishes, a lineup of brushes, 
um she's just fantastic like she's she's done such great things and like I said her following is so like so cult like and I am one of those people like it doesn't matter what she's posting about I love her content whether it's like the green thing that her dog chews on or it's like (laughs) her smushy brush or whatever it is what are you most excited about and what are you looking forward to I'm, well, I mean, like everybody, I'm really looking forward to this pandemic being over. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, I can't watch Americans just live their best lives anymore. I'm so, I am so close to being like, you know what? I'm just going to go post up in LA for a little bit. I'm going to rent the cheapest Airbnb or whatever I can find and live there until like, mm-hmm. just, like you know, Canada figures it out. So I don't want to wish away the summer, but I am very excited for our Christmas season. When I launched Cutie Girls, um, I did experience a bit of a Christmas season. Um, and so I went from selling like, you know, one to two a week to selling one to two a day. And then some days I had like five or 10 sales in a day. And that was like super exciting. And that was around Christmas last year. But it was all, you know, to my friends and family and like my clients. The salon I was working out was selling them, things like that. So it's a little bit of a different success, you know. It's one thing when your mom tells you that you've got something good, but it's another thing when like, you know, people that you don't know and have, you know, bias, when they start telling you good things, that's really exciting. But I'm really excited for this Christmas. I think it's going to be like a a season of like a a lot of growth. Like I'm hoping for like explosive growth this Christmas. And Mm -hmm. we've got some exciting things up our sleeve, like some exciting new launches. I'm just, I'm really excited to see where I can like take cuties at Chris at that Christmas time. Especially that you can gauge how you did last Christmas season to this season. I think that'll be really exciting to see as well as satisfying for you to see. And it will also show like all of the work that you're putting into is is paying off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think big things are coming. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to support is by liking, following, rating, or reviewing on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am entirely grateful to those that have already left a review or have reached out to me. I'm always open to chatting on Instagram, so hit me up at Her Defined Podcast. Today's episode has been produced by yours truly, Juliana Della Costa, and edited by Carolina with Swell Podcasting. Be sure to check back next Tuesday for another episode to hear her stories, hear her advice, hear her defined. <laughs>